Hello, everybody, and welcome to our new experimental insect news segment, which is supposed to be a little news broadcast. We're going to have mm. these... Um, we'll see how it shakes out, but maybe bi-weekly um, episodes where we're just kind of go, kind of go over some recent uh, bug news. We hope we're already your number one source for more complex insect information. And now we're moving into the bug news market. Yeah. So we're looking to capitalize on that. Let's start off with the upcoming bug forecast. The summer cicadas we've been hearing have given way to a host of crickets and katydids, whose songs will keep us company throughout the rest of the fall nights. Keep your eyes up for large praying mantises this time of year, as many of them are getting ready to deposit their otakas. Midwestern and Eastern listeners should keep their eyes out for a southern-moving front of monarchs that'll be passing through for the next couple weeks. And finally, the front of spotted lanternflies is unfortunately expected to continue marching west with no signs of stopping in the present time. So we actually have we have a bit of uh, a little bit of news speaking of spotted lanternflies. So as we just said, they continue. To, uh, to be infesting the East Coast. Uh, they're a really serious problem. They've been in Pennsylvania a lot. They've been all through Pennsylvania. We've had some in Ohio. Like more, more commonly, there's been a few isolated instances of them around like the Cleveland area and like the Northeast. And obviously these are a huge threat. Uh, they're super destructive and super prolific. Um, there's actually been a uh, sort of a push to sort of enlist citizens to help in this fight. It, it almost kind of feels like Something you'd hear in the 19th century yeah. when people would recruit, like, like whenever we try to exterminate squirrels or, or stuff. Yeah. Like, get the citizen to like, do your part and smash the bug. Yeah, and we <laughs> talked about that, too, in, um, which one, which episode was it? About the one? The Houseflies Yeah, the Houseflies. Yeah, they enlisted people. There was all, like, the, just the yeah. people in the city going out for it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, because I feel like, um, definitely with spotted lanternflies specifically, uh, I have noticed a lot more, I mean, there's plenty of invasive species out there, obviously, that, that people are aware of, but I think that spotted lanternflies... Um, seem to have the most like propaganda, I guess you would say, directed at them. Like, um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of you know stuff on there, like information, like how to kill them, you know, what to look yeah. for, and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of interesting in that regard. And I was kind of thinking, I think it might just be because they're so uh, distinct, like they're so easy to spot. Yeah, they're they're visible, and they're yeah. the life stage is very obvious. You know, it doesn't like live under a bark. Yeah, well, like a bark beetle or something. It just it's out there. It's right in your face. Yeah, and you know? and they're just very a very visually striking animal. So mm-hmm. it's definitely it's a lot easier to get people to you know to to care about them because it's a lot easier for people to take action because it's easy to spot one. Yeah, and, be and like, they end up in cities too, like the emerald ash borer. You know that thing isn't exactly yeah, fine. And, and those are pretty window, small like, too, so it's kind of yeah, hard to have yeah. like a citizen effort to control um, emerald ash borers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with spotted lanternflies, you're like you know you see signs and stuff. It's like about how to kill them and. And stuff like that. Yeah. Um, our dad was just in a uh, at a at a convention in shoot which, which uh, city it was in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Um, it was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. There's like all these signs everywhere about like how you should like check your car, you know, and like to, to make sure you don't like carry them out. Um, so yeah, so those are definitely mm-hmm. a huge threat. Um, so there's actually an app for it. It's called Squisher. And there's also there's a hotline that Pennsylvania set up. Um, in New York, there's actually a Squishathon. Um, and so you get a, a prize if you squish the most um, the most houseflies, which is kind of like we were talking about. It's like yeah. the housefly. Um, yeah, I, I think the squishathon happened a bit ago, but I'm, I was looking it up, and it is funny to see like history is truly repeating itself. Like with the yeah. houseflies, getting the kids to smash the the houseflies, now it's getting them together to, to squish on the squat spotted lanternflies. That's that's definitely an like, interesting phenomenon. I think is when humans kind of like uh, declare war, <laughs> you know, on an animal. Mm. Um, it's a little bit ridiculous though, because it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, their spot lanternflies are bad, but, um, they're not like evil animals. It's just like, oh, mm. this is a great <laughs> new place. You kind of to, personify them yeah. as like a human animal. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting phenomenon. So I think 
I think that happens a lot with invasive species because it's easy to definitely characterize them as, as evil, but you know, there's not necessarily mm. such a thing as an, as an evil animal. Um, there's obviously animals that yeah. are harmful to human beings and stuff, but um, that's definitely something interesting that happens with invasives. Speaking of, speaking of animals people think are evil, we, we have a story, we have an interesting story regarding mosquitoes where well, they, a group of scientists published a paper talking about their efforts to genetically knock out the olfactory receptors that detect quote unquote human smells, so human mosquitoes can be deterred from biting people. But it turned out that even when they, they knocked the receptors out and it, it could still find people, and they found out that the neurons, the neuron that was hooked up to the receptor that was knocked out, that kind of receptor received the human smells, it could also take signals from amine receptors. Amines are another thing that kind of float off of people. And this isn't something that animals are supposed to do. Like receptors are usually supposed to correspond to one type of receptor, but the mosquitoes kind of broke the rules and had their own. They were so mm-hmm. fixated on biting people that they have like multiple fallbacks that are that break a lot of rules when it comes to animal physiology. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, just kind of the. Uh, I mean, obviously we hate them because <laughs> uh, you know they're they're just terrible in every way. But when you really kind of objectively look at um, mosquitoes just the the level of specialization that they have to uh to feed on on blood is just really really impressive <laughs> like, you, gotta, you, you gotta respect the grind you know yeah exactly yeah recognize the hustle as for a, a more popular uh bug news is um uh, the monarch butterflies um were listed on the icun red list so i mean this is not necessarily great news i guess yeah this is also a bit of quote unquote this is a bit old news but it was pretty important i figured we might as well talk about it yeah exactly yeah so um so the monarchs that are listed are like a subset of these migratory birds birds i mean these migratory butterflies uh in the in the americas um so it's it's danis plexippus plexippus uh so the ones living in the pacific islands hawaii and europe um and maybe the South American ones. So they're not included in the listing, but these are like the most well-known ones, like the, you know, like the migratory ones that, you know, you see like they go, they go to like Mexico. They're kind of the, po- the poster child. Of yeah. Yeah. And so it's on the red list, but it's not actually listed as an endangered species in the U S. And so this is, there's like a lot of complicated kind of like bureaucracy that goes into stuff going on, like mm-hmm. endangered species lists and stuff. So the SUN is basically, it's like this network of people and organizations and stuff. And it's, it's like international, um, and so the red listing, basically what that does is the ICUN has a bunch of experts and they like assess the current status of the, the animal. Um, and it gets put in the list or it doesn't get put in the list like based on that investigation. Um, so they found that the monarch butterfly population in the East has reduced, been reduced by like 84% since um, 1996. Uh, and this is really largely due to um, like overwintering loss and the, the habitat loss. I mean, the habitat loss for their overwintering and for the regular season uh, uh, living and that's kind of like there's a lot of factors, but like pesticides are one that get listed a lot. Obviously, like deforestation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when we say the eastern and western population, the we, we do have a monarch episode that we, you could check out if you're interested. Yeah. But the western population is west of the Rocky Mountains, and the eastern population is east of the Rocky Mountains, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, like western population is kind of located near California, west coast. Eastern population is all the Midwest and all the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty, when you think about it, it's a pretty big geographical barrier. So it makes sense. They have different, um, you know, there are different considerations, for the two populations. But yeah. And um, so the uh, the Western population, however, uh, they've been, it's estimated that their population has dropped by at least like 99% since, um, the, since the 1980s. So things are looking pretty bad. <laughs> 
the biggest threat for the the western species in specific is habitat loss um because mm-hmm. so when they then they overwinter they go up around the coast of california and you can see how this is, is a yeah. problem <laughs> yeah and that's like prime prime real estate yeah because monarchs are not the only people who like to overwinter at that particular part of California. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure yeah, on that's, their, their habitat in particular. That's a pretty thing you see in a lot of um, species that are threatened or endangered or even extinct is um, they have, like, a really important part of their habitat is in, like, coastal coastal areas and coastal, e- coastal ecosystems because those mm-hmm. um, just absolutely... They're, just, they're so developed. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, people... We'll build another like ten million dollar yeah. house. On and then it's the it's extra hard to get like legislation or regulation down there because yeah. like someone with sixty million dollars lobbying against you. It's yeah, tough. and that's yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the really unfortunate thing is just like the more money there is, you know, the harder it is to um to push back against mm-hmm. it. But yeah, so there's a little bit of depressing news uh, for you there. Mm-hmm. So um, if you live on California or like on the coast of California, I guess uh, go. Plant some milkweed. Yeah, <laughs> just do something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting story is that there's some research and people looking into how, I don't know, this ants can help your garden. You know, whoa, big surprise. Ants mm-hmm. are kind of helpful. Yeah. Oh, you mean those, those animals that there's like 12 trillion of them and they're literally everywhere have an effect on your garden? Yeah, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah. But a lot, like you know them for their kind of aphid farming. And aphids are a pest in the garden. But often it's found that if you kind of give them another form of sugar, they'll... They don't need the aphids, and the aphids mm. are more valuable as, as a protein source or as like as meat. And so, if you give them this extra sugar or this like 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 saccharin solution, they'll they'll stop farming the aphids. They'll start eating them, or they'll just ignore them, and the aphids get eaten by predators. And so, you can kind of by feeding the ants, they'll kind of do your dirty work for you in the yeah, garden. That makes sense. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. you can like convince them to turn. <laughs> On their yeah, own. yeah. You basically yeah. bribe them, like, hey, like this yeah. is even easier sugar. So d- don't bother with those yeah. losers over there. Just eat them. Just eat them. It's yeah. okay. Just, come on, they look, they look pretty good. Yeah. Put a little salt on them, a little cracked pepper. I mean, if someone was like, if you had a cow and someone just came to your door every day and gave you a bunch of free milk, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't had a hamburger in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the news for this episode. Yeah. And we'll be back in two weeks' time to get you filled in again on what's been. Happening and hopping in the in the, in the world of insects. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, and we'll see we'll you for our next real episode um, next time, and we'll see you for our next uh, news episode um, in maybe two weeks. Bye.